Hey, what's up, Hope Brooklyn? Uh, my name is Russ. I'm one of the pastors uh, of the church. We are so grateful that you are tuning in uh, this Sunday for our virtual online worship experience. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. Hope I get the chance to meet you soon. But until then, um, as we say, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. So we're just so glad that you're joining us today. Um, just to reiterate what Anna said uh, about that all-church meeting, uh, it's going to be really important. So if you're someone who you're like, yeah, this is my church, or even if you're not sure if this is your church, but you're interested in rolling with us uh, over the course of the summer, I want to invite you to tune in Tuesday, May 26, 8 p.m. on Zoom. Um, we'll send out the email uh, with the link. So just tune in, and I'm going to let you guys in to how we feel God is leading us uh, over the course of the summer. Also, I hope you've been enjoying these Missio Day uh, videos. Uh, we are in this series, Missio Day, God on Mission, uh, where we're examining how uh, God is pouring out his presence in us, releasing us from other powers that have held us back, that have held our hearts and our lives back from truly living in, in relationship with him, obeying him, joining him in his mission, to reach the world with the love that is found in Jesus, with the love that raised Jesus from the dead. Um, we're just sort of looking at different people in our community who feel empowered by God in different ways to do that. So I hope that's sparking your imagination. It's certainly sparking mine. In this series, like I said, we're, we're examining uh, habits and impulses of those who are filled with the presence and the spirit of God. And today, I'm really excited because we are going to be looking at the concept and the, the practice of blessing. What does it mean to bless another person? Uh, you may or may not have heard, but my wife, Anna, and I are pregnant with our first child. Well, actually, she's pregnant. I'm not pregnant. I do nothing. I literally do nothing. Um, it is an unfair proposition, to say the least. But uh, we're super excited. We're going to be welcoming our first child. Uh, into the world this November. Um, and naturally, I've been watching everything on Netflix about babies. Uh, babies and mothers are incredible. They're just, they're insane. There's a documentary on Netflix right now called Babies. You can't miss it. Um, but uh, one of the episodes was looking at uh, the relationship between babies and their mothers. And there was this really fascinating study um, where they brought in babies and their mothers uh, for an experiment, and they had the two of them interact. And they were, of course, feeding off of each other's energy, feeding off of each other's joy and, and all that stuff. And then at a certain point, the experimenters had the mothers purposely um, become statues, provide no emotional response to the babies. And it was fascinating, because at first the babies were confused because their mothers were there, but they, they weren't doing anything. They weren't responding to them. And then uh, the babies would try to get their mother's attention through like loud shrieks or, or um, uh, through laughing, just trying to do something to, to wake their mothers up. Nothing. Uh, then they would cry at a certain point. And then the majority of babies all did the same thing across the world. At a certain point when they realized there was nothing happening, they all took their fist and they put it in their mouth. Now, what does that have to do with blessing others? The concept of blessing other people. Hold on to this because I'm going to come back to it at the end. That word blessing is a pretty old word, is it not? It's kind of antiquated and um, uh, it has a range of meanings. Uh, I'm from North Carolina, 
uh, we still sort of use that word. We say things like, bless your heart. I'm just gonna let you know. If you ever hear someone from the South say, bless your heart, they are not calling down God's favor upon you. I'm sorry, it's a little twisted, but it's not what you think it is. Um, there's still people who, who say, you know, I, I hope you have a blessed day, which is cute and, it, and it, it's well-meaning, kind of weird, you know, we just don't know what that means. And then back in like, I don't know, the early 2010s, leave it to the hipsters, they decided to bring it back. So somewhere it just started springing up like wildfire across the social media, the hashtag blessed, right? Hashtag blessed. Everything was hashtag blessed. Oh, I got the last roll of toilet paper at Target. Hashtag blessed or, you know, I mean, and, and, and so you're looking at like, what does that mean? What are they trying to, to signify? And it's pretty easy. At its root, to be blessed is to receive things as a sign of divine favor. God favors me, therefore he's raining down upon me blessings. And usually blessings are material things. Money, good fortune, promotion. They're usually things that make my life more comfortable and easier. Now, to take nothing away from the hipsters, uh, because I may or may not be one, I don't know, but in the biblical tradition, blessing is a little different. Uh, so, and it has, it's much richer, it's much fuller, and it's a much bigger deal. So in Genesis, we see the concept of blessing everywhere. Um, it, in the story of Isaac with the two sons, Esau and Jacob, uh, in one point, Jacob actually steals the blessing of his father that was reserved for the firstborn. Usually, um, in Jewish history, the, the father blesses the firstborn child. But uh, Jacob stole that blessing, and that really created some bad blood between Jacob and Esau. You also see later on, when Jacob has 12 sons himself, at the end of the book of Genesis, he blesses each one of them. He delivers words of of life and, 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 and blessing for each one of them. And some are better than others even. Um, in, in Numbers chapter six, uh, Aaron, who is the first high priest of Israel after they are uh, liberated from Egypt and they're moving toward the promised land, he's actually told by God how to effectively bless other people, to bless the Israelites. And this is what he's told. Uh, he's told, say, God says, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So blessing in the biblical tradition has a sense of transferring God's name, transferring God's power upon a person. In the New Testament, which is written in Greek, not Hebrew, the word blessing is eulageo, which is you, meaning good, and legeo, which means to speak. So to bless someone is to speak good upon them, to speak good about them, to speak favorable words, which that also gets the noggin turning because lest we forget in Genesis 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, he did so by speaking. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good, we're told. God spoke good things into existence. God's word itself is a blessing. It creates good 
realities, which is fascinating and, and beautiful, but also immediately poses something else that we realize. That if you can have blessing, speaking good things, speaking good, transferring God's good name upon another, at the same time, you can also have cursing. Cursing is using words not to uh, build people up or to uh, create good realities, but cursing is using words to tear people down. Another interesting thing about the original languages, the Old Testament being written in, in Hebrew and the New Testament being written in Greek, are the various names for Satan or the evil one. He's called Satan. He's called the devil. Well, Satan in Hebrew is ha-satan. And the first time we see it is in the book of Job, which many scholars hold to be the, the earliest book written in the Bible. And ha-satan means the accuser, the one who accuses another person of injustice or of unrighteousness. Devil in Greek is diabolos, and the diabolos means the slanderer. So the Satan is the accuser, the devil is the slanderer, the one who slanders another person, tears them down, tears them up through their words. Later on in the New Testament, Satan is called the prince of lies. It's really interesting. And it's also why Christianity is not dualism, because Satan is not on par with God. Satan is a perversion of God's good words. God speaks and it's blessing. It creates good realities. The word creates good things. Satan takes those words and he twists them into cursing which is why it's really, really uh, sick that such a wonderful phrase like bless your heart could actually, those words carry in them, not truthful blessing of another, but in fact, a desire to tear people down or to judge them. And then you start reading more of the New Testament and the letters that Paul writes to the churches. And I challenge you, you and I, we're, we're often drawn to like, the big stuff, right? Like the, the, the major sins that draw people away from God that we think like greed and, um, and sexual stuff. And like, we look at the big stuff, but I challenge you to read the letters and, and examine how much of Paul's admonition to, to followers of Jesus is about how they speak, how they use words. Yeah, like so much of it is warnings against slander and defamation and gossip and divisions, needless quarrels, needless arguing about unnecessary things, factions, flattery, the way people use good words, but not for truthful ends, but they're using it in a sort of disguise to get what they want, deception, pretext for greed. So much of the New Testament is about how we speak, what we say or leave unsaid. And in that, it's revealed to us the powers that are deep in our hearts. If we truly have God's name within us, or if in fact there's something deeper inside of us that leads us to use words in a way to not create good realities, to not create truth and grace in another's heart, but in fact to get what we want or to curse another, to tear them down. It reveals if the name of God, if the blessing of God is in us, 
or if perhaps the slanderer, the accuser and his power might be deeper inside of us. If God is the one who blesses and out of the fullness of God, he creates good things, then what does it say that out of the fullness of you and me is not, does not come blessing most naturally, but actually most naturally comes uh, lies and flattery and slander and cursing and judgment and defamation. What does that say about really what's at the core of yours and my being? I mean, we thought that the, the idea of the missional habit of blessing another was just encouraging them. No, it is so much deeper and more complex than that. I had a friend in elementary and middle school named Joey, and it was a weird friendship to say the least. Uh, Joey, th there was really two Joeys. Sometimes Joey would show up to school and, or to camp, and he was like the sweetest kid. He was the best of friends. He and I would play basketball and trade cards and um, play all sorts of games, and we would have the, the, the greatest time. And sometimes Joey would show up and he would just tease me mercilessly, mercilessly. Like he would follow me around the playground and because of my, my golden heart syndrome, he would take his, his hand and pull his face back to mimic what mine looked like. And he would laugh and point and, and tell me all sorts of things. And I remember I would, I would like walk away and be like, Joey, stop, why are you doing this? And, and, and I learned at some point that I actually could flatter him that I could encourage him and try to distract him. And sometimes it would bring him out of himself and he would stop being so cruel and we would play again. Um, but, uh, but it was a weird relationship for sure. There's a, there's a phrase in, that Jesus uses in one of his teachings in Luke where he talks about the good tree and he says, the good tree will produce good fruit uh, and the bad tree will produce bad fruit. And then Jesus goes, out of the fullness of a person's heart, the mouth will speak. I later learned that Joey was not raised by his parents. Uh, and I don't want to project too much into this, but I, but I do wonder as I've gotten older, if perhaps the reason why there were two Joeys is because Joey was giving me what he had that day. On those days when Joey felt loved and felt worthwhile and felt worthy, Man, he gave great friendship. He gave love. He gave worth. And on those days when Joey questioned his worth, questioned if, if he was truly lovable, uh, I, projecting but questioned why perhaps his parents weren't around, then he gave cruelty and he gave um, cursing and he tore me down. And I, I wonder if it's the same with you and me. When are you most prone to lying, to flattery, to backstabbing, to gossiping? When are you most prone to shying away from speaking truth because you're afraid? Is it not when, when the core of you is not filled with God's love of you, but instead there's something else filling you? Uh, perhaps you have questions about your worth and therefore you use words to get what you want. You use words out of the fullness of what's inside your soul. The mouth speaks. The mouth uses words. So perhaps just like Joey, and I've certainly seen it in my own life, when I don't know myself as God's 
beloved child, as God's adored and cherished creation, I certainly am consumed by other powers, by the power of the slanderous one, by the power of the liar. I don't know who I am, and so instead I use words to tear people down. I use words to lie and to deceive and to flatter because I'm not sure if I'm truly the beloved. I'm not sure if God truly sees me, knows me, and chooses me. A.W. Tozer, he wrote once that in the deep heart of man and woman is a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. None in the deep heart of us is a shrine where no word, where nothing is worthy but God, our creator, to come. Our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. See, what we, what we see in our world is a world full of humans where the deep hearts of us is not filled by God's word by God's good word, by his blessing, but instead is filled by other things. It's filled by fear and is filled by uh, a sense of unworthiness. It's filled by other words like ugly or unlovable or unworthy or, or rather it's because of you that you were abandoned or, or, or shame. How many of us have deep shame as the word inside of us? Like there's no way I can ever recover from that mistake, from that season. Or, and, and we try to fill them through all sorts of things. We try to fill them with, with family and career and job prospects and, and money and, and power and success. And we try and fill them with all sorts of other things because we think if we get those things, then we'll receive other words like you achieved or your success or whatever. But nothing ever creates life, true life in us. Nothing. Because deep down is not God's word, but is another word, another power that's inside. Which brings us back to the cultural understanding of blessed. When we say that I am blessed, we say that God favors me there because he has given me material things. But talk to those people, and you're probably one of them. Often, what you, if you give it time, those material things, you'll realize, and they'll, people will admit, that they actually were not blessings. They turned out to be curses. They did not make their life better. They actually made their life worse, or harder, or more hollow. So then I'm wondering, well, if these things that we think are blessings turn out to be curses, does that mean that things that look like curses might turn out to be blessings? Nothing else is able to fill that central shrine Tozer describes other than God himself, God's word, God's love, God's power, God's name. In the blessing of Aaron, he transfers God's name, the name of Jesus, the name of Yahweh, upon us. Nothing can fill that place but him. But often, no, no, not often. Certainly, if his name isn't there, other names are there. Other things fill us. Therefore, if we are going to bless others, if we're going to receive God's blessing of his name himself, the first thing we have to do is root out the lies that are within us. 
if I'm ever going to get Joey to believe that he's a great friend, before I can encourage him and tell him that he's a great friend, I actually have to enter into the lies, into the curses that fill his heart, that tell him he's not worthy of love, that he's not worthy of life. I have to root out the curses before I can deliver the blessing. If God's word is going to create new and good life again in us, in this world, it has to enter our innermost heart. The blessing has to enter into the heart of the curse. We're told in John 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is Jesus. The Word, the name of Jesus, is the blessing of God. It's the name that is transferred to us to create good things in us, in our lives. And we're told the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. In the life of Jesus, we are seeing the fullness of God's blessing. We are seeing the fullness of a good life. And then what does it mean? What does it signify that Jesus' life ends with him on a cross, with the good word of God entering into the heart of the curse. And if you look at the scene of the crucifixion, it's so fascinating to consider the words that are used or not used. I mean, the Jewish leaders, they slandered and lied and made up charges about Jesus to get him killed. They used words as curses to kill an innocent man. Pilate He actually used words to avoid the truth, like a great politician, to avoid the truth, to not really say anything, to not really speak truth, but just sort of to hedge around it, to say what needs to be said, to appease the various constituencies and keep himself in power, revealing what's truly in his heart. The mob, uh, which is you and me, we're crying for this man's crucifixion. We're asking for innocent blood. On the cross, when Jesus is on the cross, passerbys, they're walking past and they mock him. He saved others, let him save himself. Blasphemy and ridicule and mocking come out. And Jesus told us earlier that out of the fullness of a person's heart, their mouth speaks or doesn't speak. And through this whole scene, Jesus is absolutely silent. He does not respond. He does not return these curses with with more curses. He doesn't defend himself, which he rightfully could have. He stays silent, entering deeper and deeper into the heart of the curse that hates the heart of the accuser who hates God's good words of life. And in fact, in Luke's gospel, we're told in one point on the cross, Jesus does open his mouth. As people are passing by and mocking him, he opens his mouth and he speaks to the Father, to God. And he says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. What's at the heart of Jesus, out of the fullness of his heart that his mouth speaks? Forgiveness, 
blessing, kindness, compassion, love. Who is God? Who's the heart? What's that the heart of God? God is the one that when you curse him, he will only ever answer your curses with blessing. At the heart of God is life and blessing and blessing and blessing until it drowns you and draws you into its orbit. Until you also join, filled with the fullness of God's blessing. But on the cross, the word of God has entered into the heart of the curse. People say that blessings actually in time feel like curses. Well, on the cross, Jesus, the blessing of God, enters into the heart of the curse, sin, and even death, and he silences it. So out of the heart of the curse, guess what? There is now even God's blessing, God's life there. And therefore the curse is broken. It's done. Because there is no place, there is no heart, there is no word where the blessing of God is not now present. Which brings me back to the babies. Because in that experiment, when they no longer had the love of the mother filling them, what did they do? What, what is our nature? They took a fist and they put it in their mouth. They didn't have anything filling them, so they began to fill themselves. Friends, in our world, it is filled with people with fists in their mouths that don't know in their heart of hearts that the creator of all the earth made them on purpose, made them to live and to be loved, made them to not know the power of the evil one who lies to them, and tells them they're ugly and unlovable and unworthy. He made them to destroy those lies and to live inside of them, to live inside of you with a word of blessing, to transfer his name, God's name upon you, which is found in the name of Jesus. Do you want to be set free from those lies that are inside of you that lead you to use words to deceive and to flatter and in all sorts of ways that are actually cursing and not the truth, you want to be set free, it comes when you receive the name of Jesus in your heart of hearts. When you turn to that name and know that the one attached to that name has spoken life even into your worst places because on the cross, God enters into the heart of the curse. And he still, even in the heart of the curse, he does not curse back, but he blesses and he erupts it. Friends, if we are going to be filled with the blessing of God and bless this world, we can't, it can't start with just speaking encouraging things to people. First, we have to root out the lies. First, we have to hear people speak. Like in this, this pandemic, how many people, and I feel it myself, feel unproductive, feel like I'm not doing enough. And do you know what we have to say? We don't need to say, no, you are doing enough. We need to say, hey, your worth is not based on what you produce or don't produce. 
Your worth is not based on if you feel like you're crushing this quarantine or if you're failing. Those are lies and they're not true. You, you are the one that Jesus died for because he loves you so much. And he would die for you again and again and again because you are his beloved. That is what's at the root of you. Before we can bless others, friends, we have to root out the curses. If Jesus were in that relationship with Joey, not me, because I used words, I learned that I could deceive Joey. I could flatter him and pull him out of himself, but I didn't really care about Joey. I just didn't want to be teased because I also believed lies about myself. If Jesus were in that relationship with Joey, he would wait for a really bad day, like a really bad one. When Joey is just teasing Jesus mercilessly, mocking him and mocking him and mocking him. And he would take it and he would take it and he would take it. And then at a certain point when, G when Joey has used up all his words, Jesus would be like, are you done? Guess what? I'm still here. I'm still here. And everything you just said, none of that cursing has changed how I feel about you. None of the words have changed my word to you. And my word to you, Joey, are you listening? My word to you is you are loved. And I will never stop loving you. Ever. Perhaps my words, my blessing is stronger than your cursing. Perhaps my love for you can now be at the root of your heart too. Friends, the word of God, the blessing and the name of God has entered into the heart of the curse, has entered into your heart that curses God and curses yourself and tears other people down, tears yourself down. He has entered into that on the cross and he has silenced it. It has no more power over you. And the only power that it seeks to, to dictate on your life is because there are still places in your heart where you believe the lies of the evil one more than you believe in the name of Jesus. But you can know life you can know the fullness of blessing and receive it by trusting his words and his love more than those lies. And so I'm going to pray. And I don't know if you're someone here who has never trusted the name of Jesus or if you're someone tuning in uh, who has but just needs a reminder. And I want to pray for each of you. So join me. Jesus, we see on the cross that God has entered into the heart of the curse, that your love is stronger than sin and death, and that your blessing will still create good in the world. God, would you expose our hearts to all the ways that we still use words um, to get what we want? We still use words to lie, to slander. We use words for gossiping. We use words that reveal to us what's really in our heart. And so, Lord, I pray for the people who are tuning in, that if there's someone tuning in who has never known themselves as loved and cherished by you, that right now they would receive that. And if that's you, all you need to do, and I would encourage you to pray out loud as I pray this, is Jesus I receive your name and your love in my heart. Would you show me who I really am in your eyes? Would you break the lies of the evil one? 
And if you're someone who has known this, but still, like as you examine your words, you can see that your life is full of lies or full of deception or flattery, which reveals that out of the fullness of your heart is not God's word, but is another power. Right now, would you also make the same declaration? Jesus, I'm sorry that somewhere along the way I've trusted other voices. I've trusted the power of the accuser, the power of Satan, more than I've trusted the power of your word and your name. And so right now, Jesus, I pray once again that you tell me who I am. Tell me how much you love me. Tell me that your love for me is not dependent on how I'm living in this life or not living. It's dependent on what you've done on the cross, that you've entered into the heart of the curse and that God raised you from the dead. In the middle of history, God raised a man from the dead, signifying that your love is stronger than any other power in this world. Tell me that so that I can experience the blessing of God in my life and in my heart. True blessings, not dependent on material things, but dependent on your word and love for me. So Lord, I just pray that that you reveal yourself to everyone tuning in and that you give people the courage to go to the world and bless others and blessing their friends and their colleagues and their families and their loved ones. Blessing others is not just encouraging others. Blessing others first and foremost is rooting out the lies that people believe about themselves. Give people the courage to go and root out lies so that they might tell people the truth and allow your name to live inside of them again. We love you, Jesus. We want to join in your work. Show us how to do it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're about to sing a song of response, but before we do, we're going to take communion. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, this is, this is how it goes, and this is why we do it. Um, we have the elements, the the bread and the wine are in my choice, in my my situation today, a Ritz cracker, not Ritz, saltine cracker and watermelon juice. Um, but it signifies Jesus on the cross. It signifies the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus. It signifies um, what our curses do. Curses tear people apart. Jesus entered into the heart of the curse. And we eat this to remember that now God is at the heart of our curses and he is stronger than them because Jesus died for love of you and me, for love of the Father, and God raised him back to life in a resurrected body. So the curses don't work. Life and blessing is stronger than death. And so if, if you're someone tuning in and you're a follower of Jesus, like in your heart you make that confession that the name of Jesus is the most important name that the person of Jesus and your relationship with God is the most important part of your life, deeper than any other relationship and deeper than any other name and power. This is for you to remind you as the community of faith of what we profess. But if that's not you, um, that's totally fine. I would encourage you to uh, just reflect on this message, reflect on the words of your life and maybe even seek prayer uh, for anyone, but especially for you. Uh, if you wanna text the word prayer, to this number right here on the screen. Uh, we have people on our prayer team standing by who would love to pray with you right now. Uh, but for, for those who wanna take communion, this is the body 
of Jesus on the night he was betrayed, where he said, as often as you eat, do this in remembrance of me. And this is the blood, uh, the, the marker of the sacrifice, where Jesus says, I will receive your curses. I will enter into them. And you will know that you still can't defeat me there, that nothing is stronger than the love of God and the power of God. So as often as you drink, remember his love for you as well. So let's take the body and, and the blood. As we sing a song of response, um, if something was prompted in you and you want to take a step of faith or you want to explore a step of faith, you want to know what it's like to have the name of Jesus inside of you. You want to be baptized, that God is doing something, even if you don't have the language for it, but God is, something is doing, something is happening inside of you and you need to figure out what to do. Text the word faith to this number. And we'll send you a, a prompt of response where you can let us know what, what your, your step of faith is. And we will be in touch with you uh, to help walk you through in this, in this exciting journey. So let's sing a song of response and confess that there is no other lie, no other name deeper or more lovely to us than the name and the power of Jesus Christ.